What's up, South Bay Church? Come on, make some noise if you're ready for some church today. All of our campuses, let's welcome those joining online. South San Jose, Sunnyvale, we are glad you're with us to kick off this brand new teaching series called Echo, 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 Echo. Hey, we're going to have some fun over the next four weeks here talking about how God made you to make a difference. I believe that God has placed inside of you gifts and talents. He's given you unique abilities that only you have. And he's placed you on the planet and me on the planet, not just to suck up oxygen, but really to make a difference with our lives. And I think that so many of us, we have barriers that stand in the way of the life that God created us to live. There's fog in the lens that prevents us from stepping in with faith to what God's created us to experience. And I believe that both personally and as a church, God is bringing us into a season of increased faith of what he's capable of doing. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 talks about God's ability to move in the hearts of human beings. And it says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine. It's amazing to think about the fact that God's able to do more through you than you ever dreamed possible. Yet so often these barriers that stand in the way prevent us from experiencing all that God can do through us. And one of the biggest barriers I believe that stands in the way is the barrier of ambition. And I want to talk today about the power of your ambition, your why behind a life that makes a difference. Because I believe that there are already in you dreams that God's placed there. There's vision that he's given to you. And if the ambition side of it is dialed in, there's no limit to what God can do. But if the ambition side of it is off, it will be very destructive. So we're going to look today at the power of your ambition. I had a conversation recently with the Silicon Valley billionaire. Um, I have one billionaire friend, so I need to make sure everybody knows that I have a friend who's a billionaire. And um, so I had a conversation with this guy, and part of it stemmed or flowed out of a conversation I had with another person who was struggling financially. Now, if you need like wisdom or counsel or ideas, you know, like I love to talk ideas, but if you need a counselor, I'm not your man, sweetheart. I'm just not. Um, I got about two minutes of counseling in me, and then I'm on to solutions. It's just, y'all are quiet, but um, it's just not my gift, okay? So um, I'm having a conversation with this woman who's struggling financially and wanted some help, and so I tried to diagnose the problem, and I helped her see the three things that she needed to change that would change everything financially. It was so clear to me. I'm like, do, 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 do these three things. All your problems will go away, woman. Well, um, so internally, though, as I'm having this conversation, there is some compassion there. But as I'm having this conversation, I'm thinking somebody else who's way beyond where I am could do the exact same thing that I just did with this person. So I reached out to my billionaire friend and sent him an email and said, hey, um, so you've been around a lot of millionaires and you've been around a lot of billionaires. What's the primary difference between the way a millionaire thinks and the way a billionaire thinks? Now, just to clarify, just in case you think I'm a rich pastor, I'm not a millionaire. I, um, but I, I, I thought that question would reveal the major difference between like a thousand times different level of thinking. So what he said was brilliant. And I've been thinking about it for about two months. Just one email has been messing with me. He said, okay, so most of the millionaires that I know, not all the millionaires, but most of the millionaires I know, they started out and their goal was to become a millionaire. 
And they thought if eventually they got enough money, then they could buy some things and get some new cars and a bigger house, and they could have this life that was the millionaire life. But then when they got to the millionaire life, they weren't happy with the millionaire life. So they had to get more. So they kept trying to get more and more and more and more and more. And consequently, they were never satisfied. So but billionaires, they're very different. In fact, very few billionaires ever begin their journey to become billionaires. They had a dream, a vision, a purpose that drove them. And eventually they got to this place where they looked up and realized they had more money than they ever dreamed possible. Somebody said, well, if that's the case, give me some, right? Um, but there's this sense in which they got to a destination and they never dreamed. So they were not derailed with the amount of money that they got because their ambition at the beginning was at the right place. I believe that ambition is one of the most crucial components of a life of success and ultimately a life that echoes. So the big idea I have for our time together today is this, that the ambition that drives you can become the ambition that destroys you. And the fuel you put in the tank to move it forward could be the thing that gets you moving, but if it's not the right fuel, it will take you out. We see this in the corporate world with business leaders. We see it with churches. That ambition is a potent force, and it has the power to set your life up for the kind of success that God wants you to have, or it has the power to take you out. So today I want to address how do you get that fuel right? How do you get it to where the, the fuel that you're putting in the tank around moving forward with a life that makes a difference is the kind of fuel that honors and pleases God and leads to sustained success. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 11. We're going to journey through a story in the Old Testament of the Bible, and it's a rich story. And there's so much in this story about the subject of ambition, but we need to understand a little bit of the context of what has happened in the first 10 chapters of Genesis. This is the account initially of creation, how God makes humanity. He sets us forth on planet earth. And there's a difference between us and the rest of all of creation. In fact, God said that when he made man and woman, he made us in the image of God. So there's a stamp of the hand and the creativity of God. And he gave them a commission. And the commission that he gave to Adam and Eve that ultimately came to all of humanity was to be fruitful and multiply Make babies, in essence, is what he's saying. Make some babies, fill the earth, and subdue it. So it was a commission to get his glory, his name, his reputation to the ends of the earth. Well, they weren't obedient, kind of like you and I. And in Genesis chapter 11, we're going to see their response to that commission that God has given to them. Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. It says, now the whole earth had one language. Everybody say one language. They all spoke the same language. And it's beautiful to me to think about the diversity of Silicon Valley, but over time, technology is like the Roman road that existed in Jesus' day. Technology is flattening the world so that we are moving more and more towards one language where the roads of getting love and getting God's message to the ends of the earth are getting more possible now than any other time. Back then, they only had one language. This is the story of how it all went down, that language started to change for humanity. And it says, and as a people, they migrated from the east, and they found, they found a plain in the land of Shiner, and they settled there. Remember, God had told them to reach, to move, to innovate, to create, to get to the ends of the earth, but what did they do? They stopped. They settled. 
So they moved forward and they found a place where they could build something and they didn't have to keep pioneering. They didn't have to keep innovating. And there is this temptation inside of you and inside of me that God will often give you a dream and he'll give you a vision. And ultimately you'll get a little bit more when you step out and you take risks and then he'll give you a little bit more. And then there's a temptation once you've built something to try to preserve the very thing that you've built. I remember when we started our church and we didn't really have any staff members to feed and we didn't really have a whole lot of money in the bank account. So when we said, let's go for broke and try to reach more people for Jesus, it was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's empty the bank account. 500 bucks in there. Let's do it. But now there's more. There are more families. We have 18 full-time staff members. We have buildings and it's easy for us collectively and for us individually to stop short of where God wants us to go. I believe that there are some of us that God gave us a dream initially when we were young, but we stopped. We went through a divorce. We, we started struggling with, with sin. We lost a job. We, we got to this place and God wants to reignite that vision in you to say that there's more. I'm not done with you. If you're still breathing, I have a vision for your life and I want to use what I've placed in you to make a difference on planet earth so that you can echo my love. So don't stop and settle like these people in Babylon or like these people in uh, Babel with their towers. So they stop and they settle and let's watch what they do in verse three when they settle. And it says, and so then they came to one another and they said, come, let us make some bricks and burn them thoroughly. Now, notice the brick in the story for a second, okay? So this brick was a modern-day innovation in this story. It wasn't like today where you could go down to Home Depot or Lowe's and purchase 40 different colors of bricks and lay them down. It wasn't like that. This, this, was, this was the iPhone X of Genesis chapter 11. This was... This was the droid that's going to deliver your groceries to your house in a couple of years. That was very innovative to have bricks. So when you read the story, you're like, yeah, 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 I know bricks. But they didn't know bricks. They were making bricks. And this was the greatest innovation of the day. But what I want us to see is you got bricks in your hands too. You have skills, talents, and resources that God placed into your hands that are different. You got a different set of bricks than the person right next to you. Just look to the person next to you say, I got bricks. I got bricks. Just tell them, you got some bricks and your bricks are different than my bricks. And those bricks, listen, those bricks that God has given to you, it's, it's your life that simply is a tool. Point number one, our lives are simply a tool to be leveraged to make a difference on planet earth. You are building something with your bricks. Your lives Point number one, are simply, our lives are simply a tool. And the question is, what are you going to do with the bricks that God has placed into your hands? What are you going to build? And it's not that God didn't like the bricks. God told them to innovate. So every creation that's been made, God is not in the business of building buildings. Did you know that? God's in the business of giving people brains and letting them build the buildings. God puts the resources on planet earth. He gives you skills and talents so that we can build and so that we can build things that matter, that last. But so often we find ourselves building things that really are going to wash all up. 
So an iPhone to one person and an iPhone to another person, one can use it and leverage it to make a difference. Another can leverage that to build a reputation or build something for themselves. And the, the reality is the brick is going to take on the characteristics of whoever's hands it's in. So the work that you're doing right now is in many ways. Now, there's some work that is immoral, but most work is amoral. It's kind of like money. Is money good or bad? Somebody said one time, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. That's what the Bible says. So the money takes on the characteristics that, of the person whose hands it's in. The same is true with the brick. It's going to take on the characteristics. So you can use medicine to help people in Africa who have AIDS so they don't have to continue to struggle into future generations. You can build buildings for hospitals for people who are suffering. You can use your gifts to make a difference here on planet earth. And the question is, what are you using your bricks for? What are you doing with what God has placed into your hands? Now they're going to start doing something with those bricks. Let's watch what they do with the bricks in verse four. It says, so then they said, all right, come, come on over. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top into the heavens. Now notice this, God never gave them a mandate to reach the heavens. He gave them a mandate to reach the earth, but they got it confused. They thought they were supposed to go up and God said, no, I, I put you there. So you go out. Sometimes we do this in our lives. We think it's about building something unto ourselves. Do you notice that God's really not impressed with size? I mean, think about it for a second. He spoke the stars into existence. So it's not like God shows up and he's like, dang, look at that church. They got 2,000 people there this Sunday. Angels, check it out. Look at that business. They got 200 million in their bank account. God's not impressed by size. And they're starting to build, and they're putting brick on top of brick going up. And it says, reaching to the heavens, and let us make a name for who? Who's the name for? All of our campuses. Who's the name for? Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth, which was the mission God had given to them. So I'm going to take this brick instead of doing the thing that the brick is intended to do, which is to reach the ends of the earth. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to build up my Twitter following. I'm going to get some likes on Facebook. I'm going to get some people that retweet, that, that, that repost what I say. I'm going up instead of going out. That's what they do. They start building one brick on top of the other. Here's the second thing I want us to notice from the story. Your and my motivation matters to God. So you can build one building under yourself. Point number two is your motivation matters to God. You can build one building under yourself or one building under God and two look exactly the same right next to each other. The buildings don't even have different color paint. But if the motivation is off, there's a tremendous problem. A lot of times we build and internally, our motivation or ambition is a mixed bag. And there's a part of us that wants to do the right thing. And there's a part of us that wants to build something that builds up God's reputation on planet Earth. But did you know that God sees every part of your heart and mine? And he walks in verse 5. Watch this. It says, once they decide that they're going to build it up, a name for themselves, it says, and finally, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man 
had built. Imagine what that would have been like. I mean, did they know it was God when he showed up? Did he have a clipboard in hand? I don't know. You guys awake today? He comes down and it says that he walks among them and sees what they just have built. Did you know that God, the the scriptures communicate the omnipresence of God? And I imagine oftentimes the Holy Spirit walking the halls of our churches, our campuses, and coming and sitting in our classrooms, or going into our meetings in the boardroom, or driving in the car next to us on 880. He's there. And I wonder what he sees in those still small moments in our hearts. I wonder what he sees in those moments where you're meeting with somebody and this is a guy you hate and you can't stand him and those words that are coming out of your mouth he sees it he knows it he knows your tears he knows your prayers he knows your cry he knows the impurity of your heart and my heart and he he walks among us and he's not impressed with size but what he is impressed with is the purity of our hearts there's a psalm that says one time the psalmist said search me god and know me and know my inner thoughts He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And there's one voice, there's one honored guest that matters more than anybody else in this church, and it's the the presence of the Holy Spirit. I imagine him oftentimes, Jesus sitting in the back row of our services, and what, what he would see in us, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would bring him pleasure and joy. And oftentimes, the place where we get off is in our motivation. Our motivation starts to creep outside of a desire to please God. We had some pastors here this week, and I brought this magazine out. It's called The Outreach 100 Fastest Growing Churches in America. Y'all, this is pastor porn right here. Because, <laughs> because every pastor gets this in the mail, and they're like, okay, let me see where my church is in here, you know? And Stacy said to me when we started the church, she said, we are not putting our n- numbers in, you know, in, in that Pastor Boy magazine. We're not putting them in there so that you can go and look. Well, I still would go and look when the magazine would come. And then I'd go to our staff members and I'd be like, hey, guys, look, this is where we fell in the fastest growing churches. And we'd like celebrate it even though we weren't in the magazine until the year that we wouldn't have been in the magazine. And I didn't say anything to him that time. I was like, all right, good year. Magazine didn't come this time. But you know what's funny is that there's even a centerfold in this thing that has, has the fastest growing churches. I'm telling you, you might, you might not have the same temptations that I do, but, but we all have the temptation to compare and to contrast ourselves with other people. What if heaven wrote a magazine? Like what if, what if God were searching planet earth for the hundred churches not based upon size, but based upon purity of heart. Would we be in it? That's my question. God, I, I, I'm more concerned about being on your list than this list. And I want you to look at me, and I want you to look at our church, and I want you to look at our leaders, and I want you to look at our volunteers and see the purity of our heart to honor you, that we are in this to bring glory to your name. It's not our name. It's his name he wants to be great. So he never promised to bless a church that was focused on making their name great. It was all about his name. Because if, if his name gets to the end of the earth, his glory gets to the end of the earth, then every nation will know how deeply their love will know his mercy. So we are on a mission as a church that's not about us. It's about 
echoing God's love to the ends of the earth. And God wants to position you and me to that place that our motivation before him for what we build with the bricks that he's given to us is pure and holy before him. Our motivation truly does matter to God. And so he walks among them and he sees it. He sees why they're building the city. So they'd be great. So that they could reach the heavens. So that they don't have to keep spreading to the ends of the earth. So watch what happens when God comes down and he walks among them. In verse 6 it says, So then the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. So come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech so that the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. He comes and he confuses their language to stop what they're building. There was no limitation to what could happen if they were fully unified. So God says, your ambition is off, so I'm gonna disperse you. And in verse nine, it says, therefore it was called Babel because the Lord confused their language of all the earth and there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth and put them back on mission with the thing that he originally intended for them to do. How gracious is God? I mean, he could have destroyed them. He could have made the consequence for their Babel moment be that they all suffered, the, suffered for it. But God is so merciful and kind and gracious that his heart towards humanity is to love and to bless so that the consequence of their arrogance and their pride was to reposition them so that their whole lives would be focused on reaching the ends of the earth. And point three, I'd like to see from this story, like for us to see is that Ultimately, to reach for God is always the goal. That's the goal. God did not put you here on planet Earth simply to consume. God did not put you in this community to simply consume. God did not place you in this church just so you can suck up air. God put you here for a mission. He gave you a vision. He put a purpose in your heart and it's so that he can use your life to reach planet earth. So if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to who? Me. Why? Because I just kicked death in the teeth and overcame the grave. You can say that. If you came back from death to life, you say, I'm in charge. Whole earth, I'm in charge. I died, I'm alive again. So he said it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, do what? Stay here. Huddle. Enjoy each other. Hold hands. Sing Kumbaya. Come on, do it. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. No. He says, go to the ends of the earth so that every nation, tribe, and tongue would know my love. So that black, yellow, red, orange, rich, poor, everybody knows that I came so that they could have life. So if you think it's all about you, I'm sorry, my friend. He loves you, but he loved you so that you can love other people. He changed you so that you can change other people. So think about it. If God was just about like loving us, which he really is because he loves us to death and resurrection. But if that's all, it was just us and God, 
When we become followers of Jesus, we'd be like, beam them up, Scotty. They're gone up to heaven. Another one left. Another one bites the dust. I mean, just be gone, 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 gone. But why are you here still? You're here because he has a mission for you. You're here because he has a purpose for your life. So there are people that you can reach with your bricks that nobody else can reach. Not beat with your bricks, reach with your bricks. There are people in your neighborhood and people in our community that God has placed us here and we will do whatever it takes, anything short of sin as a church until there is one person that is not reaching our community, until every person has had the possibility and the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. I'll keep going if nobody responds. God has placed you here for a purpose so that your life can make a difference. And for us as a church, he's calling us up. He's saying, I gave you faith for the beginning, but that faith is not enough. I got more in you. I got more in you together. I got more in you individually. It's time to stop consuming and start contributing and to join the mission of what I've called you to do. You're a part of a bigger story, a bigger story that I want to use to change this area. I want you to see your place in this grander story that God has been weaving together as we watch this video. This is our story and it started with one yes. I was just an ordinary high school guy and I had been changed by God's grace and Jesus' love. And my heart was broken for my teammates who are far from God. There was no local church that seemed relatable or easy to access for them. And I prayed and I said, God, if you could ever use me to start a church that would reach people like my friends, my answer is going to be yes. Well, Andy and I met our freshman year of college and eventually I said yes to him best decision she ever made. <laughs> so we begin to pray and seek God and just say, God, where in the world would you lead us? The Silicon Valley met every criteria. It was a region that was reaching people all over the world through groundbreaking technology. It was shaping culture and influencing people really in every corner of the globe. It can be done here, they warned us. Silicon Valley is a graveyard for church planters. They said it's too expensive. It's too diverse, too liberal, too transient. The darkness here is too great. But then we started sensing God saying to us, I want you to see things differently. I want you to see with eyes of faith. In fact, you're not a grasshopper. You're not one of the 10 spies. You are a Joshua and a Caleb. It's not too expensive. It's full of some of the world's most influential people. It's not too diverse. Every region in the world is represented here. It's not too transient. In fact, the Holy Spirit only needs one moment to change somebody's life. It's not too dark. It's desperate for the light of the world. He said, my kingdom is advancing and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm at work in people's hearts here. The real question is, do you have the faith to join me? We decided we wouldn't insult God with small dreams and safe living. We would see these obstacles as opportunities for our God to do great things. But a dream this big could not be accomplished alone. It would take a team of people who said yes. And the ask would not be small. Would you be willing to move from the East Coast to the West Coast? Would you leave your friends and family and sell your house and your possessions? Oh, by the way, would you be willing to raise your own salary with no guarantee of future security? And would you risk everything familiar 
and have the audacity to believe God for a movement of His hand in Silicon Valley. It started with a yes. We sensed God leading us to be a part of this vision. So we moved here to love and to serve our city. We decided early on that we wanted to be a church that was known for what we were for rather than what we were against. We want the love of Jesus to echo out from our lives and from the life of this church. Soon after we moved here, we began the journey of meeting as many people as we could. We served at city events, we hosted cookouts, and we walked a thousand miles passing out door hangers and praying over our neighborhoods. We said, God, if you could use us to start a church for people who are far from you, our answer is yes. On November 16, 2008, right here, 175 people walked to the doors of Don College on School to celebrate our first public service. And 285 people joined us for our grand opening in February. We believe the Spirit of God was on the move in the Silicon Valley and South Bay Church wanted to be on the front lines. Our first baptism took place in a glorified horse trough. You think it takes bold faith to step into a modern-day, temperature-controlled baptism pool? Try a horse trough with water from a hose. One after another, they went into the water. Tiana, Jason Petit, Jennifer Spafford, 17 stories of God's relentless pursuit, surrendering control, receiving forgiveness, and finding freedom. We started each Sunday at 6 a.m. by setting up chairs, a sound system, and lights. We hung pipe and drape, taped wires, put out signs, and set up diaper changing stations. This church was built on the backs of people who say we will not be consumers, we will be contributors to a purpose greater than ourselves. This church was built on a dream team that kept saying yes to God. In 2012, God opened the door of an old banquet hall that was shut down by the city for drug use and inappropriate activity. Our dream team worked around the clock transforming this banquet hall into a house of worship. In February of 2014, we launched our second campus in the Sunnyvale Community Center. On that day, South Bay became one church in multiple locations. Two years later, we celebrated the grand opening of our South San Jose campus. And during the fall of 2016, a series of miracles led to the purchase of our Sunnyvale building. We had 52 days to raise $500,000. It seemed impossible, but the people of South Bay said yes to the opportunity to have both faith. Families delayed vacations and home renovations to be able to give more. People worked around the clock, tearing down walls, hanging screens, and building a stage. Then on Christmas Eve of 2016, with paint still literally wet on the walls, South Bay held our first service in that miracle building. So this is our story after nearly a decade of saying yes to God. We exist so that people who are far from God can say yes to Jesus and passionately follow Him. We exist for the unchurched, the de-churched, the agnostic, skeptic, and the irreligious. This is a place where the broken, the isolated, and the sinner stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. We will do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God. We will sacrifice our comfort and convenience in order to make one more seat at the table. We will give until it hurts to make the good news accessible to all these hearts around us. When you cut us, we will bleed bold faith because we refuse to insult God with small dreams and safe living. Anything you ask of us, God? Anything! 
anything. Anything you ask of us, you have our resounding yes. This is our story. This is our story. This is our story. Well, we are so excited that today is the day we are finally going to get to announce to you this huge announcement that we have been taunting you with for the last several weeks. It's today. Absolutely. And you know, I think part of our heart that beats as a church is this idea that God could use our lives to do something more than we ever dreamed or thought possible. And I remember vividly when we started South Bay, God saying to me, Andy, I want you to be a part of creating a church of Joshua's and Caleb's, like in the Old Testament, that had faith to believe that I could change the Bay Area. And now as a result of your faith, we're starting to see that vision more and more become a reality in and through the life of our church. Yeah, I really feel like that there has been a group of people here at our church that has said, I'm going to be that Joshua and Caleb. I'm going to look at the Bay Area, not through the eyes of a grasshopper, but with the eyes of faith that God is on the move here yep. and that we want to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And part of, I think, what's been funny about this whole journey for us is when we started, our faith, which we thought was bold faith, was really small. Because we were believing, I remember one time saying, God, if you'd let our church reach 300 people in the first three years, that would be awesome. Well, at our first service, we almost had 300 people at the first service. So God obviously had something bigger in mind than we had in mind. And we started with one to two to three to four services to one to two to three campuses. And God has been stretching our faith to realize that he's able to do way beyond what yeah. we initially thought was possible. Yeah, not only has he been growing our church over the last eight years, but he's really been growing our faith personally yep. and then as a church just to say... There's more that I have in store for you. So not just faith to believe that he can do it because he's done it, but that he can continue to do it, yeah. that this is not a finish line for us, that there's so much more in store. And the question is, are we going to have faith for what's next? Yeah, and now we're at that place where we're saying, okay, hey, what is God leading us towards as a church next? So we've been praying and we've been talking. And as a staff, one of the ideas that we have talked about is, okay, God planted our church here in Silicon Valley to reach not just this small area in Silicon Valley, but to reach the entire Bay Area. So we have this dream and vision. What if down the road one day there could be a thriving campus of this church within 10 minutes of every person in the Bay Area? How awesome would that be? If you have friends and family members in Marin or East Bay, that there was a thriving local church that you could bring them to or invite them to just down the road from them. Yeah, and also thinking, what if we could leverage technology to reach into cities that currently don't have a thriving church right there? So we've, we've had a lot of people from South Bay that have moved to different cities around the country, cities like Portland yeah. or Denver or Austin. And then even thinking more globally than that, the Silicon Valley is on this technology highway. And so thinking about cities like Singapore or Dubai, places around the world that we would naturally connect with, what if God could use technology to help us? reach even into those cities. Yeah, so the big vision is really going beyond the bay, extending to the rest of the bay. And what we notice when we look at all these places all over our area and all over literally the whole country and the world, that all the cities that we just mentioned that we're connected to because of technology are over 90% unreached with the message of Jesus. And that's not okay for us. It's not okay that nine out of 10 people in our local Starbucks or our local Pete's or 
Phil's because it's best. If, if it's not okay that nine out of ten people that you meet, if they were to die today, would spend eternity in hell apart from Jesus. So we have a responsibility based upon what God has already done as a church to step up to a higher level of belief that he can use us to change this whole area and he can use us with technology to influence the rest of the world. Yeah, and you know, as we've been processing and praying through this future vision for South Bay, we have realized that this huge vision that God has given to us, that the name South Bay Church is a limiting factor because there are places outside of the South Bay region where we feel like God is leading us to reach into. And so here at South Bay, our church has never been about making a great name for ourselves. We have always been about making a great name for Jesus. And so if our name is getting in the way of his name, then our name really needs to change. Time to change. Yep. Yep. So we became convinced um, through much prayer that it was time to change the name of the church. And so we're excited to share that with you. And actually, if you'll come back next week, we'll let you know what that new name is. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. You How many guys want to hear, hear it today? You hear the name? All right. Well, we are going to tell you that name, and it is going to be a name that corresponds with the big vision that God has given to us as a church. Now, how many of you guys know that here in the Silicon Valley, what happens here does not stay here, right? That what happens here in the Silicon Valley reaches around the world, that if we are sending technology, we're sending iPhones, we're sending information to remote villages all over the world. So why can't we be sending the love of Jesus, the gospel message? And so what happens here doesn't stay here. It echoes out from here. Yep. So you guys ready for that name? All right. Um, If I can get a little drum roll here for those of you, all of our campuses. So in conjunction with the vision of echoing God's love to the ends of the earth, the new name of our church is Echo, Echo Church. Church. Come on, make some noise. Yeah. yeah. We got you guys, we are a part of a huge vision. We are so excited about this. That is gonna be the new logo for South, for Echo Church, no longer South Bay Church. And we, if you look at it kind of sideways, you can see the, the symbol is an E. So that's where we got Echo. Yeah, it's, with not, the, it's not a Wi-Fi signal. No, but kind of like echoing out. You get it? Yeah. So anyway, we're really excited about this. We are going to be rolling this out to our community at the end of January. That's when we'll change all the signs and all the um, website will be different. But we wanted to do a launch to our house first. And so that you guys can get excited around this vision of echoing out God's love. Yeah, and I believe that what God wants to do right now is there are some of us who've been on the fence. We've been coming and we've just been participating or consuming and not getting engaged. And now's that time for us to step up, to step up as a church into higher levels of making a difference in our community and ultimately our world. You have gifts, you have resources, you have talents that God wants to use to make a difference. So between now and the end of the year, you're going to hear more about this next week. We're going to be participating together in a massive offering to bless our community, our state, and our world. And we're going to give above and beyond our regular giving through the Echo 
offering. We're also going to challenge some of you who have not been serving. Maybe now is that time that you step into that place to start serving in our church. And I believe that for all of us, what God is doing is saying, will you have the faith to believe that what I started, if I can take four or five families and build this thing to what it is today, Imagine the limitless possibility that I could do in the future if you continue to pray, to serve, to give, to keep your heart right before me. There's no limit to what God can do. He wants to do it again. The same power that he's displayed, he's not done. I believe that the greatest miracles in our church are in front of us. I believe that the greatest stories of life transformation are ahead of us. I believe that the greatest moments of generosity for our church are in front of us now. And God is saying, will you be that generation to stand up, to sacrifice, to give everything to believe what I'm capable of doing. So will you stand with me at all of our campuses? Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the fact that you are not finished, that you are starting in us something that you want to continue forward. And I pray that you would give us the faith to believe that you can do it again. Give us the faith to believe that you are not done, that this is just the start of a movement that is gonna change this area, this entire region with your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen, amen.